Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Well, hello and welcome to Kindled. This is episode 89, and I'm your host, Haley Williams. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Alexandra Kirkendall about loving your actual Christmas. I really love this title. It's actually the title of her book as well, but it resonated with me the second I saw it because haven't we all been there? Our own Christmas, our own actual real holiday can sometimes not be the one of our dreams or the ones that we envisioned or hoped for or think we should be having. Alexandra is a mom of four girls who has been there and she gets it and she actually wrote a book on it. This applies to other holidays too, but we are coming into the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, so this is just a really timely episode for everyone to kind of refocus our hearts on what this season is all about. Those words are cheesy but real. There is something that we are actually celebrating, and it is so easy and possible to actually let it get buried in the mess and the stress of our day-to-day. So I hope that above all this episode points you back to that beautiful truth and reality that Christ came and that he loves you. Okay, now for my conversation with Alexandra. Hi, welcome to Kindled. Oh, thanks for having me. So happy to have you. So could you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Alexandra Kirkendall. You would never know that that's how you pronounce it based on how it's spelled. But we try to go with the Dutch as closely as we can. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I have four daughters that range in age from 8 to 17. And my husband runs a ministry here in Denver called Providence Network that provides transitional housing to people coming out of homelessness, mostly because of addictions and domestic violence. And I write books. And I co-host a podcast called the Open Door Sisterhood podcast with my friend Krista. We also co-host a retreat and do some other special things. And I like to talk to moms a lot. So I'm really happy to be here. (laughs) Well, we have that in common. That is, I never knew that I would like to talk to moms, but I guess I do because (laughs) that's not what I do with this show and and you do it too. It's, It's a fun place to be really. Yes, it is. And I worked at Mops International, which is Mothers of Preschoolers, Mm -hmm. for almost 10 years. It is based here in Denver. So that's where I got a lot of my current work trajectory started because I did more community organizing, community relations, public relations Mm -hmm. before I had kids. I took a little bit of a break and then I worked for Mops part-time And then I decided I wanted to really focus on writing and speaking. So I left MOPS a few years ago. So what does work look like for you today? Well, I am trying to figure it out a little bit. I feel like I'm always trying to figure out what's that next thing. (laughs) And I just had my fourth book released this spring. So up until now, I have been under book contract. So I have known, like, this is my next thing I'm working on. I have another book coming down the Pike kind of thing. And I, I don't right now. So I am, like I said, working on this podcast with my friend and we just did our annual retreat. We do it once a year in September. And I'm kind of asking God, what, what's next? Yeah. Is it going to be another book? Maybe. 
Is it going to be something totally different? Maybe. I'm volunteering to help my husband at his work with some writing things that they need done. And so I know I love to write. Mm-hmm. I know I love the church. And I know I want to walk through the doors that God has in front of me. So I'm mm-hmm. just looking to see what those open doors are right now. Yeah. That's cool. I love, I kind of, I mean, the, the seasons shifting are an uncertain time, but I kind of love those times too, because it's almost like the world is, everything opens up again. And then, and then, you know, you kind of fall into a season where things are known. And like you said, mm-hmm. like, okay, I know what I'm doing and that's good, but it feels good to kind of press restart a little bit sometimes, you know, I feel like not that we're completely restarting. I mean, you still have your family, but you know, you're just kind of getting to go, okay, like let's reestablish what I, what I love and am passionate about and care about and then see where God takes me. Yes. Now it doesn't really help as far as the paycheck goes, but (laughs) so I know that it's a position that I'm in of privilege a little bit that I can have this wiggle room that a lot of women, they just need that steady paycheck. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, we're getting to that point. I will say it's not like money is not an issue. We're yeah, a ministry yeah. family, but I am trying to figure out like, God, you know, you know, my needs, you know, my family's needs, yeah. you know, that we are sending someone to college in a year and a half for the first time. Like those are real things. And yeah. so I'm, I am waiting and also trying to be as proactive as possible. And I Mm -hmm. think for a lot of women in that in-between, it's good to remember that God's going to bring opportunities. And at the same time, we need to be searching for them. Yeah. It's kind of moving and seeing where he's moving with us. Right. Yeah, that's really true. So where are you seeing God's grace in your life? Oh, gosh. Everywhere. (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) a good question for for that answer and it's true yeah i would say the places where i feel i need the most grace so i feel it most strongly are in my relationships mm-hmm. because that's where i mess up a lot and it impacts other people so i have teenagers and teenagers have really different ways of communicating than i would like them to communicate and so sometimes my frustration comes out there and I, that's where I am asking for forgiveness the most often is with my older girls who are 14 and 17. Mm-hmm. They just push my buttons in a way that's like, it goes from zero to a hundred really fast. Yeah. And I push their buttons in a unique way because they're trying to separate from me. They're trying to differentiate. Mm-hmm. I am becoming a woman. You're the woman I'm closest to. I don't like how we're similar. <laughs> and so I'm trying to make yeah. us different. All those ways that teenagers especially same gender parent child do that. So that's where I'm experiencing needing to come back to graces available to us over and over. And then of course, marriage is that way too, which Mm -hmm. is always true. I always need to say, I'm sorry. Can we start over? And that's really what God, what grace is, is God's opportunity for us to start over and to say, okay, you're human. I'm going to forgive this and we're going to, we're going to try again. And so in relationships, that's where I feel like I need it. Yeah. It's funny hearing you talk about, you know, teenage relationships with your daughters, because mine are obviously much younger, three and five, but the same, everything you said is still true. You know, like I know it's in a totally different realm 
and the conversations you're having or the friction that happens is way different, but the same need is there, you know, to come back and go, okay, I'm sorry that I talked to you that way. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't get, you know, I don't get a pass to like be frustrated and snap at you. And, you know, and, and my, my five-year-old is definitely in tune enough to be, to hold grudges or to recognize like that I might do the same thing all the time. And it frustrates her and she gets tired of it. And she starts mm-hmm. to look at me like, you know, like you are exasperating me, you know? And it's, it's funny seeing those things like develop from the three-year-old who kind of forgets so quickly and forgives easily to the five-year-old who's starting to not forgive as quickly because she's go, you know, she's thinking in her mind, you always do that, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, yes, I do. <laughs> and I need forgiveness and help. And yeah, God help me because I know that those realities will only get kind of more pronounced as they get older. And not that uh, maybe it's not right to say like forgiveness is harder, but I think there's just more, you know, it's more wounding, I guess, mm-hmm. or yeah, like you, you start stop trusting people as easily as you get older. And so you start to form preconceived ideas that may be rooted somewhat in reality. <laughs> so I, I know that's a real, a real need in my life as well. Yeah. But you're surviving four girls. So I guess I have some hope for three. Mm-hmm. No, it's really wonderful. And yeah. and I will say I'm pretty public about the fact that our fourth was a surprise. Mm-hmm. And had I known that I was going to love having a big family, because for us, when we went from three to four, we really went to like, we've lost control. We, we have mm-hmm. zero control. Of oh, really? Okay. So, um, three, we were still trying. And yeah. by the way, research, like yeah. social research shows that moms of three kids are the most stressed out. I have heard that and I'm afraid. Yeah. So, so just have another one. Oh, That's God. my solution no. to moms of three kids <laughs> because it is true. When our yeah. fourth was born, we, we were mm-hmm. so surrendered. Like, you know what? At this point, we're happy if someone eats something, yeah. if, the, if, the, if there's a path in the living room to walk through we just gave up on things and so much, that might yeah. sound really pathetic to people, but, no. but we weren't stressed out about stuff. Mm-hmm. We were, we completely said, we can't do this on our own. And we are so grateful for this child. That is this gift we didn't ask for because in mm-hmm. our case, because it was a surprise. And had I known how much I would have loved that, I would have done it younger and kept going. I would have a bigger family now. Oh my gosh. Because there's something special about all these personalities coming together Mm -hmm. and really trusting God in it and saying, okay, this has to be your plan because it certainly isn't my plan. I mean, I believe that and I'm, I'm the oldest of five. So I totally see that now as an adult in my own family, just how special and unique the environment is like when we're all together, not that it's always great or perfect Mm -hmm. or people don't have friction, you know, tension in relationships. Like, of course we do. But yeah, it is, it is something, there is something to be said for sure of that element of kind of just being so laid back. I mean, I remember like criticizing my mom as a kid being like, I can't believe you aren't getting her in trouble for this. I can't Mm -hmm. believe you're not doing this. And she's like, just wait, (laughs) like you just wait and you see, I hope you have five kids. So you have to see how much energy it takes to, you know, have the same high standard that I probably had with you. And now you're like trying to apply to your younger siblings and it's just not possible. I just remember being like, whatever. I, and she's like, well, I'm sure you will do it better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's a perfect mom response. Cause I def I get that from my oldest too. 
Yeah. It's it's a it's typical, right? I mean, like we probably did have the most strict boundaries, so we're like, well, what why are they getting to do this? I didn't get to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, this this has to be fair. Nobody promised yeah. fairness though. Nope. 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 <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I do want to get into the topic that we have for today. And that is talking about the holidays. And specifically, we're talking about Christmas because this episode is airing in the beginning of December. People have just gotten over Thanksgiving and they are probably feeling like, okay, I'm coming up for air and I'm going to dive back in Mm -hmm. to Christmas season and everything that that means. And I know everyone has a different story. And so for a lot of people, holidays are a very joyful time and they love it. And others, people dread them. I mean, for a variety of reasons. But before we kind of get into all of that, I think it'd be helpful to talk a little bit about what Christmas, the the Christmas season is about and specifically Advent, what Advent Mm -hmm. represents and why it matters to us as Christians. Could you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. Well, everyone has an idea about what Christmas is about, right? Retailers have an idea. Our neighbors who may not be believers have an idea about what Christmas is about. And I think we have to remember, and that's really a big part of why I wrote this book, Loving My Actual Christmas. We have to remember why we celebrate Christmas. And there are certain things that we mark as the church around the globe every year. Very few things. I mean, if you think about all of the stories that are in the Bible, there are very few things that we really mark every year. And one of them is Christ's arrival on this earth. This is a miracle that God came as a baby to show the world how much he loved us and then to go to the cross. So if you look at the church calendar, which some traditions are much more in sync with the liturgical calendar of the church, but there is a season leading up to Christmas called Advent. And Advent is the time of preparation where we are supposed to be preparing ourselves for the Christ child. Well, as mom, we're good at preparing for Christmas. We are the ones who go shopping, who wrap the gifts, who decorate the house, who send out the Christmas cards, who make sure that the outfits are all ready for the Santa visit, whatever it is. We are the Christmas orchestrators. So in a sense, from a practical sense, we're preparing for Christmas. But really, we need to be preparing our hearts as well. Because this is an annual celebration. There's a reason that we celebrate it every year. It's because we've lived another year of life since the last Christmas, which means we've had lots of joy and lots of pain. And some years are more joyful and some years are more painful. And we sometimes forget in that life that we live in that last year, the good news that God loved us so much that he came. Mm -hmm. And so every year, We have this marker of God came, God came. I tell a story in the book about going outside of a movie theater with my girls and I had, it was snowing. It was like a blizzard snow. And I had, uh, I was holding the hands of my two youngest. So I had one of their hands in each of mine so that they wouldn't slip on the Mm -hmm. ice. And I remember looking down at one and saying, I love you. And it just kind of came out. You know how moms, it, we just say it. We, we just look at our child and we have this sudden sense, I love you. 
And she just kept walking, like looking straight ahead, not even acknowledging that I had spoken. And this was right after December 25th. So it was still Christmas, according to the Christmas calendar, because we have the 12 days of Christmas. And it just hit me because I had been considering so much that year that I wrote this book, what does it mean to celebrate Christmas? And I thought, this really is Christmas, that God tells us every year, it's this reminder, whether we're listening or not, Mm. I love you. I love you. Remember, I came. I love Mm. you. And so we have to prepare our hearts to receive that message. And that's what Advent is. And then there's this extended Christmas celebration that we don't always celebrate here in the United States. We think, okay, we got to prepare for the 25th, the 25th, and then mm-hmm. 26th, we drop down dead from exhaustion. Yeah. When really it's meant to be this extended celebration because Christ's arrival is worth more than one day. And so to go um, for 12 days of celebrating really gives us moms a chance to like take a deep breath and say, okay, we're going to really sit in this mm-hmm. for over a week and celebrate Christmas and celebrate what some churches call the feast, the celebration, the joy that is good news that God came. Yeah, man. As you were saying that, I was picturing myself last year. I think I was ready to rip it all down and burn it all by December 26th or Mm -hmm. 7th because I just get, you know, well, I also, I mean, I'm talking decorations because I I get into that literally right before Thanksgiving if we're hosting because I kind of want it to feel festive and stuff. And there's, yeah, there is that. I don't know if it's just the overwhelm. I mean, I also like a clean slate, you know? And so there's, but there's always this, like, you know, you feel like kind of a push to like the next thing, the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I love what you're saying about just sitting in it. And maybe it doesn't have to mean you leave the tree up or whatever. It doesn't probably matter as much how you exactly do that, but rather kind of sitting in that reality and enjoying the truth that he did come. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. It's really more of a pace, I think, for families. And the nice thing is culturally, not a lot of it is expected of us between Christmas and New Year's, really. You know, school's out, sports aren't usually in session. Whatever it is that keeps us busy, we're kind of off the hook. And people expect us to say, oh, we can't right now. It's the holidays. But to say, okay, then then let's sit in this as a family, whatever that looks like. We're going to go skiing or we're going to sit here and watch movies or we're going to go to the farmer's market. Whatever it is, no matter where you live, it could Mm -hmm. feel different. But to say, we're going to celebrate together, I think we have to do intentionally or else it slips away. Yeah, it's really good. So when did the 12 days exactly start? Can you remind us? December 25th. Oh, that's the first day? That's the first day of Christmas. So Advent goes through December 24th. So we prepare through Christmas Eve and then December 25th, it starts and goes. I guess I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that the 12 days of Christmas, like my only reference for that is this song. I didn't realize it starts on Christmas. Right. Okay. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. We, we don't, some churches do. I mean, Mm -hmm. liturgical traditions really celebrate it, but I have found not coming from that myself that it's a nice framework and it's nice, which is part of the whole church calendar thing. It's nice to think, you know, Christians around the world are doing this. Mm-hmm. That's part of Christmas. You know, Christians around the world are celebrating the arrival of God over 2000 years ago. And they have been, 
yeah. for 2000 years. And, and so it ties us not just to God, but to the body of Christ historically and here on earth. And I think that's pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah. You're part of something so much bigger than whatever it is that we can get so caught up in, you know, in our own individual scenarios. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit. You've established why it's important, why we celebrate it and what God is telling us in this season. So then why is it so hard to just simply enjoy what are the challenges and the obstacles that we are coming up against that are kind of threatening to rob us of those things that are so beautiful and precious in that season? Yeah. Well, I think expectations are a big one. We often don't know that we have expectations until they're not met. And then we feel that disappointment or that anger or resentment. And we think, oh, I had some expectations there. If we have enough frame of mind and Mm -hmm. if we're calm enough to be able to kind of think about it that way, there are really three things that I see keep women from enjoying the season, really being in it with their families. Mm -hmm. And that is schedule, money, and relationships. And we can talk about each one of those. Schedule, you know, we all live really busy lives. It's the truth of our culture. And I know every, every mom I know is trying to fight against the over busy because our, our calendars will quickly fill up just by default. So we almost have to protect the time. Mm -hmm. And so to add all of the extras that come with Christmas on top of it, whether it's travel and visitors and concerts Mm -hmm. and parties and shopping, all of those things that are on top of an already busy life, it can feel suffocating. And as the Christmas orchestrators, we're running around trying to get it all done because we have put these expectations, whether we know it or not on ourselves, that we are the ones to get it done. Yeah. And so I really encourage moms, especially to think about what are my expectations schedule wise, if you're married or if you co-parent with someone and you're sharing kids over different schedules to really talk with them and then talk with extended family about it. And these can be very hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes though, they can be much easier than we realize. Like often we can say, you know, now that my kids are older, I'll say, what's one tradition you want to celebrate this holiday season? Everybody gets one because we get, there's six of us in our family. So that's Mm -hmm. already a lot. And I'll often be surprised at what my kids don't care about that I think they do. Or that they really do care about. And I think, really? That's what's a big deal to you at Christmas? Sure, we can do that. That's really easy. Or I was planning on doing that anyway. So I think talking to people. And then I really tell people, put the biggies on your calendar now. So if it's early December and you know that you want to go to church on Christmas Eve, put it on the calendar. Because visually, you're going to start seeing your calendar fill up. And you're going to realize I need some margin here, here, and here. Just the thought of I'm going to be at church on Christmas Eve and then people are coming over for dinner. I really need to have all of the gifts wrapped before then. Mm Because if not, I'm going to be up until two in the morning. I have been there. I've been there. Yeah. So putting the biggies on. And I, I tend to say three extras for the season. If you already feel like your life is really busy, pick the three most important things. For us, that's my husband's work party, 
that we do with the residents of Providence Network. It's a family party that we do that a friend of my mother-in-law's throws every year where we do a kid's Christmas pageant that my Mm -hmm. kids have done since they were born. And then we try to do one extra special thing like the Nutcracker or a concert. Mm -hmm. And because my kids are older, they kind of change what that is. And then that's it. That's really it because we're already so busy. Yeah. There's just more transparency between everybody about what we're actually doing instead of, I think my tendency as the mom, and and this might be because my kids are so young and they can't be as engaged in that decision-making process, but maybe just to like kind of put all of these invisible priorities in your own mind and heart and, and let those sit and weigh on you as this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do all season without necessarily maybe even verbalizing it to your husband or just kind of having, I, I tend to do that. I tend to be like, okay, what do I want to do? I want to do this, this, and this, and then kind of run some things by him. And then, you know, and then that's how stuff gets out so out of control so quickly because we really, we really, and it's not wrong to want to do a lot, right? I mean, it's, it's probably coming from a good place, but just mm-hmm. recognizing our limitations. I think that's the hard thing is like, Actually, well, for me personally, I know it mm-hmm. might be different for other people, but that's what is hard for me is recognizing I might not be able to do the lights here and the lighting ceremony there and the nutcracker and this and that. And then you just feel like that's where we can start to feel so run down and ragged during the season where you're like, I thought this was, I just pictured something different. I pictured right. more relaxing and yet I've created this like tornado of activity and I'm going, why? Like, why did I do this? Like, is anyone having fun? Am I the only one having fun? You know, and you're like, it's like you're <laughs> Chevy Chase and like family, you know, Christmas vacation. He's like, we're going to have fun, you guys. Like, and then you're just like forcing everyone to get in the car and go chop down a Christmas tree. Like sometimes I feel Yeah. Like- I want to take a quick second to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Prep Dish. If you're listening to this show, you are likely a busy mom who has to figure out what your family is eating for dinner tonight. You guys have heard me talk about this before, and honestly, I have never been one for meal planning, much less meal prepping, but Prep Dish is changing that for me and my family. It's my new secret weapon for healthy, stress-free meals. When you sign up, you'll receive an email every week with a done-for-you grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. You'll do your chopping and mixing ahead of time, leaving you with zero decisions to be made at dinner. So, for example, this week, a couple of the meals that I prepped to make for my family are flank steak salad with roasted sweet potatoes and chicken with peanut dipping sauce, sesame broccoli, and brown rice. You've heard me say it before, my complaint with meal planning is what if I don't feel like eating that thing that night? Well, with Prep Dish, that is no longer a problem because I can pick from any of the prepared meals that are in my fridge ready to go. And guys, listen to this. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You cannot beat that. Check out PrepDish.com slash Kindled for this amazing deal. Prep Dish has gluten-free, paleo, and keto options. Again, that is PrepDish.com slash Kindled for your first two weeks free. That is plenty of time to try it out and see if it's going to make your afternoons and evenings less hectic and less stressful and more delicious. No, it's so true. We have these aspirational goals that are not based in reality. 
And I always think I can do more than I can. And so that's why limiting myself. Then if there is some extra time, if I find we do have a free afternoon and we don't have anything on the schedule, then I, then I have my list of like, okay, these are the things that aren't have tos, but I would like to do. And we can do one of those. Mm -hmm. And I will say when your kids are younger, the thing that I think needs to happen is to protect their patterns that set them up for success. Because, you know, if you are traveling, for example, people are still traveling often when their kids are little, the kids are sleep is out of whack, or you're going to something and they miss their nap or they're staying up late. Then the meltdown happens. And I remember thinking, well, why, why this was a fun activity. I wasn't really thinking through this is they're off their routine. They're off. And so to be proactively planning on that, are they going to have snacks? Are we, Mm -hmm. what do I need to bring to help this go well? And then you can start talking to extended family members who want your kids to be places that you think "Mm, this might not go so well in terms of, I want this to be successful for everyone. And it's not going to be successful if she is having a meltdown. Mm, That's a good way to frame it. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful because yeah. And again, those desires of those in-laws or your own parents even are good. They're coming from a good place. They just, they want to experience the joy with your kids, but may not be thinking, oh, an 8 p.m. play is not the best idea for my three-year-old. You know, that's actually not going to be fun for her. And you, I promise you will not be having fun either. So yeah, <laughs> just reminding, because I mean, too, like we can, stepping away from, I mean, even I do this with my own kids. Like when you step a little bit away from the reality you kind of get rose colored glasses and think that sounds really fun. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Like it's how, when my kids are at preschool, I'm like, we should bake cookies when they get home. And then they get home and I'm like, we're not baking cookies. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can't handle toddler baking right now. That's just, I don't have enough for that. Mm-hmm. And I think grandparents can easily get there too, where they forget, Oh, this, maybe they're not capable of that yet. And so that's helpful to frame it that way. So schedules. Okay. What was I want to ask one more question about that because I know a lot of people are thinking about the inevitable text or phone call. The text thread maybe started by somebody in the family going, Hey, what are you guys' plans this Christmas? Okay, what are you guys thinking? What are you, what's your other side of the family doing? Um, when can we see you? Are we going to do a Christmas Eve thing this year or a Christmas day? Or does it need to be a different day of the week? I personally have a lot of anxiety around those conversations. I think because I know I'm not going to be able to like meet everybody's needs or expectations and I dread mm-hmm. those texts. What, like what encouragement practically or advice would you give someone who is kind of headed into those conversations and how to put them in perspective and maybe also navigate them well? Yeah. This is, gets into the relationships okay. element with, and so And it is, it's a universal situation, I will say. There are very few families. And if you're a family that doesn't have these issues, it's probably because you're not in relationship with people, honestly. And that's Mm. sad. So, you know, every family has its stuff. Yeah. I would say it probably goes better if instead of focusing on what you can't do, to focus on what you can. Mm. So to say, okay, you want us to come to four different things. 
in the next two weeks. We, we can't manage that. However, we can come to one or two, and these are the ones we can come to. Or I was on the Coffee and Crumbs podcast a few years ago, and one of their hosts had a great suggestion. She said, or say, mom, I can handle one of those three. And I, I know that this is important to you. I'm going to let you choose. And I thought that was a great third way. I'm always looking for what's the third way. Cause it feels like it's an either or an or. And yeah. so what's the third way? The third way is here's my boundary, but I'm giving you some choice in it. So Christmas Eve, or what are we doing for Christmas Eve? Well, if you're thinking my kids really, really need to be in bed by nine or the next day is going to be terrible mm-hmm. to say, Hey guys, my kids need to be in bed by nine. That's the boundary I'm setting. Mm-hmm. So either you come over here and I'll put them to bed and we'll have a nice late night together. Or I can come to your house, but we just need to leave by eight. Which would you choose? And mm-hmm. that gives the other people some investment in the decision, but it also is honoring to them. And what yeah. we're trying to do is we're trying to avoid unnecessary Christmas monsters, meaning us as the moms who are setting these boundaries of I'm setting this line and we are not crossing it. And that just kind of sets up an us versus them dynamic that we're trying to avoid. And so to say, how can we do this together? I hear that this event, this particular event is important to you. How can we set it up for success so that it works within our family? Mm -hmm. And so that to me is a way of looking at what you can do instead of focusing on what you can't. Yeah, that's helpful. Do you find that in kind of talking with moms about this issue, that there's some release, maybe a relief of some of the pressure when we stop making it so adversarial? Because that is definitely my tendency. Maybe not everyone's tendency. Maybe some people's problem is they say yes to everything and then they're just bitter and angry and quiet and they're just unhappy about it on their own lives. But do you feel like what, what do you hear from women when they, when they make a change like that? Like in regards to whether it's relationships with their own parents or their in-laws, extended family, whatever it is. Well, I do think if you're married, it's helpful to have a conversation with your husband before you talk to your own mom or his mom Mm -hmm. or, or siblings or whoever it is that you're getting pressure from to do the extended family thing is really helpful to be on the same team when it comes to that. And sometimes that's where the conflict is. Maybe the conflict is with your spouse because he does have these traditions or he does want to travel or, or he doesn't want to travel, whatever it is that I think that's the place where you need to begin to be on the same team. And then if you start getting pressure from outside people, at least you have your support system in place. So that's one thing I would say. And Mm -hmm. It is hard to have these conversations. It often does not go well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I also know that it goes better if people have more time to think about it. So if you're thinking it's early December right now, if you already know that my mother-in-law or my mother already has these plans going for this coming Christmas, we're not looking forward to it. And I, I can... I can grit through it. I can do it. I give you permission to do that this year. And then in January or February, say to everybody in your extended family, next year, 
we're going to do things different just so you know, because that gives people time to consider it. It gives people time to just kind of soak in it a little, but also usually the initial reaction isn't quite so bad because they feel like, oh, that's really far away. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to stress that much about Christmas right now. She may change her mind, (laughs) whatever they're thinking, Mm -hmm. but usually it's not quite so tense as a few weeks before the holiday because I want to give these mothers and mothers-in-law some benefit of the doubt that they have been thinking about Christmas since last Christmas, right? Yeah. You know, this is maybe the only time that their own kids are together Mm -hmm. or their own grandkids. And so they're investing a ton into it. So they have all of these expectations. And so I am now far enough down in the parenting where I can picture my children leaving and I can picture how hard it is to be in that position that I want to say, let's be gentle with the older women in our lives that are maybe stressing about this holiday in a way that we think is totally weird and over the top because it may seem to them to be the only week or the only day of the Mm -hmm. whole year when they get their people together. Yeah. That's such a tough line to walk. And I know you're right, but yeah, it does. It can feel very suffocating, you know, Mm -hmm. as, especially as that new family unit. Um, And we mentioned this a little before we started recording, but I think when you get married, you're able to kind of continue in a lot of the traditions that you had as in your family of origin, like uh, when you were growing up. So you're flexible. You don't have any kids yet. Presumably you can kind of travel a little bit more. You can make, you can make things happen. You can kind of appease people or, Mm -hmm. or make it work. And then once you start to have kids, you start to feel the limitations and feel that, oh, I don't know if we still want to do that. I don't know if we can still do that. And you start to get, you know, develop some of your own traditions as your own family unit. And there's a tendency there, I think, to be really overly protective and be like, well, you're not going to take this from me. You're trying to take, you know, you want to, you want to be, you know, Santa Claus and you're not letting me have the, that special role of dictating what my family's Christmas is going to look like or whatever. And I think that that transition is hard, just mm-hmm. the adding, you know, the addition of children. Um, and there's also more pressure sometimes because like there's, you know, now, now grandparents really want to see their, you know, their grandkids on a Christmas special and understand that. So I think just the changing of those dynamics can sometimes get, it happens without you realizing it. And then all of a sudden you are in sort of a tense or a stressful dynamic that you didn't even realize was happening or being created just by the nature of your family changing. And so you kind of might have to, you might be five to eight years into marriage and realize, okay, we need to, we need to maybe like rethink this and kind of readdress it and and not just kind of keep flying by the seat of our pants each year or trying to make it work or like pushing back against it very vehemently and then causing relational Mm-hmm. problems we need to kind of like find it like you said that third way what's the other option how can we kind of come into this conversation with grace for them that hey we know that we've been able to do this this whole time but now maybe we can't so let's talk about what would be a good solution for everybody you know and finding that so I think that's just it's just a hard thing like you said there's really no easy way around it there's no shortcut and there's no it's important to know that like you will have to have some hard conversations and they might not all go perfectly. Yeah, they might not. You might be able to predict it. And sometimes you might be surprised 
mm-hmm. that they go better than you think they will. Yes. Always approaching a conversation, believing the best in the other person as much as you can is helpful. So to mm-hmm. know, you know, they really love my kids. They really love my grand, their grandkids and they want to be with them at Christmas time. Yeah. And that that's a blessing. You know, sometimes I have to remind myself to have family that wants to see your children and that cares about them and loves them and likes to give them gifts or likes to take them out to get ice cream. You know, that's a blessing. Like, so sometimes we can get by we, I mean, I can get, you know, just a lack of perspective on what is it that's actually frustrating me? And is it even worth being frustrated over or do I just need to get over myself? You know, sometimes it's really as simple as that. I mean, for some of us. So, okay. So that's relationships. So next is money. Money. Yeah. And it's no surprise that if money feels tight the rest of the year, then it feels especially tight over Christmas. And I will say that is true for all of the stressors. So relationships and schedule too, that if something is hard all year long, it feels especially hard at the Mm -hmm. holidays. It's like Christmas zooms in on it and makes you realize, oh, this relationship is strained or, oh, we're incredibly exhausted. So the same is true for budget because there are these extra things that we are expected or we put on ourselves that we expect to be able to pay for Mm -hmm. over Christmas. And so I tell people to do something that's very basic that you're going to be like, "Uh, no, duh, but most people don't do it. And that is to come up with a bottom line budget. This is what we are going to spend over the holidays that is above and beyond our normal monthly budget. Mm-hmm. And to write down every single thing that you spend money on from gifts to postage for Christmas cards, to travel, to food. Often we're, we're buying expensive yeah. ingredients. I mean, just think of all of the things that you don't normally spend money on that you will in the holiday season and then look at your bottom line number and say, do these match up? And if they don't, what needs to come off the list and really talking to your spouse, if you share money mm-hmm. about what are you going to be happy with in January and February when the credit card bills are rolling in, mm-hmm. what, what are we going to be okay with? And using that as maybe the question that gets the conversation started so this can get tricky with, with our own kids. It's easy ish to limit gifts to say, you know, we're, especially when your kids are little because they don't know, they don't have any no. expectations around the holidays. It gets a little harder with extended family. If there is an idea that you're going to be exchanging gifts with people or that there's some kind of, you know, gift exchange even, or, or the amount of money people are spending on gifts mm-hmm. that you can feel like, oh my gosh, we can't, we can't match what my brother's doing because mm-hmm. we live in a different budget than he does. Yeah. And so being realistic with that and even opting out. And those are the hard conversations that are better to have now than the week before Christmas to say, mm-hmm. you know, this year we're going to opt out of this gift exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, just in my own experience, like we went from, you know, family with five kids, my, my mom and dad really love the holidays. And so they kind of bred into us a love for the holidays too. It's a really big deal to all of us. Like we, our tendency would be to idolize Christmas. Now there's not, that's 
not everybody's problem. Again, some people really don't care that much. Like you said, they may be like, that's fine. You know, we'll come. My in-laws are very flexible. They will come two weeks before Christmas and come visit us then. And that counts for Thanksgiving and Christmas. They're very laid back. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. You knew I needed that because my family is a lot more intense about it and wants to like, everybody wants to do something special. And so, but like, even with gifts, you have five kids and now four of the five of them are married. And then two of them, almost three of them have kids of their own. You cannot buy gifts for everyone. So we just do a simple draw names, gift exchange, you know, so you're buying one gift and it's whatever range you want to put it in there. It could be 10 bucks. It could be 40 bucks, whatever your family decides. That's just been an easy thing for us to go. Let's let go of the idea of all the siblings have to somehow buy each other presents Mm because none of us can afford that. And then you would all be getting like, you know, $5 dollar tree type items from me anyways. So I think, you know, just being realistic about it and having those conversations is helpful. Yeah. And then (laughs) Dave Ramsey would of course say, this should be a budget item in your budget every single month of the year, which the reality is that it just hasn't been. So if you're December one listening to this, you're going, well, yeah, I forgot about that. That would have been nice, but sort of like you said, at least for this month, let's make a plan and then stick to it and agree on what we're okay with so that then nobody's feeling guilt or disappointment or frustration over what that number looks like in January. Mm-hmm. Right. So any other, any other issues or problems that you specifically hear women talking about? I mean, I, divorce is obviously a reality for a lot of people. So that may mean you've got two or four, you know, you, you might mm-hmm. have as many as four Christmases, if people are local or, you know, kind of asking or hoping or expecting that you will be able to make an appearance. How do you walk through that? Like when you're dealing with that reality that, you know, you've got, you've got multiple different families and they're not all going to meet together and you can't maybe do all of them. What do you, what do you say about those situations? Yeah. Well, it gets back to that same focus on what you can do instead Mm -hmm. of what you can't. So we would love to see you on the 23rd and this is what we, you know, we could have you over, we can come over. And that may not be the response that the person you're talking to is looking for. And so you Mm -hmm. have to be prepared for that, but to focus in on what you can do. And, you know, I think divorced families, if your own parents are divorced, tend to be a little more understanding because they know, and you've been doing it probably for a long time, Mm -hmm. this back and forth. So they understand Mm -hmm. that they have created a little bit of a situation in having to have multiple stops during the holidays. I will say that some people, once they have kids, you know, because as you said, when you're a young adult and you're married, you can often still kind of go and visit your parents more easily that if there are lots of people to visit, sometimes it's really easier to be the host and to yes. say, mm-hmm. you know, come over and then I, I can still put the kids down for a nap and yep. do all of those things. And so if you're willing to do that, that shows too that your willingness to meet them partway and say, I really want to see you. Yeah. And this is how it's going to be most successful for the kids. Yeah. That's what we did. The first few years of being parents is, is really just as many chances as we could reasonably do, we would offer to host and um, happen to have a house that could fit people to some degree. And so 
that really worked well for us because we did we didn't feel like we had to like duck out at six forty five to go mm-hmm. you know get to a seven p.m. bedtime, which just stinks. As I mean, it's not fun to have to leave your you know the the holiday event. Like you don't really want to be left out, but. Um, hosting is definitely a great option and people still can bring food. It's not like everything's on you and can contribute to that. And I always found that people were also willing to help and clean up and, you know, so I didn't have a big mess. So that worked well for us as well. And as a child of divorced parents, I have found that my siblings and I have found that it really seems to go best for holidays, like the one day holidays, like Thanksgiving. Now Christmas is a little more of a season. So there's like a little more flexibility there, but Thanksgiving and Easter, at least that if it's hosted on neutral ground, like at one of the kids' houses, Hmm. then you can avoid having a, well, mom's got an event and dad's got an event. No, we're doing one family event and one of the kids is hosting and you're both invited, come or don't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so pitching it that way, that then not everybody has to feel like, especially for the students who have, you know, other, my family, my husband's family is in Colorado. So we're usually not juggling multiple events, but for my other siblings, they might have, you know, three events in, in like a 24 hour period. And they're like, we're not doing that. So either we're just not going to show up or we've got to make some kind of concession here. So I think having a neutral ground, I mean, and, and obviously this depends on the situation, whether the the parents who are divorced are willing to be in the same place. But like you said, it's like, typically you guys change the game. So (laughs) here's how we are able to make this work. And this is what it's going to look like. And that has actually worked really well for us. Yeah. So any other kind of practical tips or encouragement for moms as they're heading into this season? Well, my biggest thing to encourage moms to really be able to enjoy it is to do some planning early on so that as you're executing, you're not feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But even if you're feeling overwhelmed, we can all give five minutes every day to consider the miracle that is the Christmas story. So whether that means turning on a Christmas carol and just closing your eyes and listening to the music or after kids have gone to bed, sitting and looking at the Christmas tree and reflecting on the fact that God loved you so much that he came. Mm -hmm. If you do that five minutes every day between now and the 25th, you will be entering Christmas more prepared in your heart and you'll be better able to enjoy Mm -hmm. the holiday than if you don't. And I think everyone can do five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great practical tip. And you're not saying you have to go do some crazy Advent deal, which that's totally fine if you want to. Um, I know when we started hearing about like all these different Advent calendars and Bible studies and this and that, I got very legalistic very quickly and was like, what are we going to do? We have to do something. And I think it's easy to get carried away with with some of those resources as great as they are to to kind of turn it into one more must and one more should rather than truly enjoying it and relishing it. So that's a great, it's a great tip, especially for moms of young kids. Yeah. And, and they can't sit through, I mean, we've tried the family devotion at the table <laughs> yes. and kids are like putting their heads down on the table and I'm yeah. getting mad. And my husband's looking at me like, why are you making me do this? And, and <laughs> say, okay, what, again, what's going to set us up for success? Yeah. And really what I realized when I was doing that one year is that I wanted that. I wanted it for mm-hmm. me. Okay. If that's the reality, I can make that happen for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to 
try to force this on everybody else and just end up frustrated. Mm-hmm. And so what do I need to prepare my heart? And I can do that. I can take care of myself that way. Yeah, that's an important distinction because mm-hmm. I sense that as I as my kids are getting older, I, I want to kind of shape and mold them into be little mini me's. And so it's like, Hey, you guys are going to love this. We're going to do this together. And you know, my oldest daughter is actually a lot like me. And so she gets excited. And my younger one is like, um, why I don't want, I don't want to do this. So it's helpful to remember that if, if that thing is really more about you, not to necessarily put that on your kids because it's just going to turn into an opportunity for discipline <laughs> at the table. <laughs> I mean, not that you don't do things that are hard, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really helpful. Man, well, where can people stay connected with you and get this book that you wrote? I think that'd be another awesome resource for them to dig into um, in these early weeks of December and just kind of help them prepare their hearts for all that's to come. Mm-hmm. Well, Loving My Actual Christmas is easily found on Amazon or really any place books are sold online. Okay. And then my website, alexandrakirkendall.com, I have lots of things you can download for Christmas mm-hmm. planning and spiritual stuff too, to prepare cool. yourself. And that's free. So okay. you can use it with the book or just use the free stuff. Okay. Um, awesome. But <laughs> I'll link that in the show notes so people can go find it. Cause okay. um, we won't make you spell your last name. Yes. It's <laughs> tricky. Okay. Well, Alexandra, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You guys, I hope that episode was so encouraging for you. And I hope that it just gives you some ideas for dealing with the everyday practical nature of being part of a family and experiencing the holidays. So a couple housekeeping notes. I am taking the entire month of December off of publishing. So speaking of enjoying our actual Christmas, I really wanted to slow the time this year with a new baby and just being able to really kind of turn off all of the regular rhythms at a time where it's, you know, reasonable to assume that you might do that because it is the holidays. Man, I need, I need those times. And so I'm really looking forward to not publishing in December. However, I will still be alive and active on Instagram um, and chatting over there about probably whatever is going on crazy in my house that day. So feel free to connect with me still on Instagram and I'll be back in January in just a month with brand new episodes, brand new interviews and lots more good content for you guys. Until then, my prayer will be that you and I can both slow our pace, slow our speed, and focus our minds and hearts on the one who has come all the way down to make peace with us. Even though we were yet enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you and I. In order for him to die, he had to first come and live the perfect life that we could not live. And that is what this season is about. It is about celebrating that he came, that he loved you. It's so simple and yet so easy for us to overcomplicate, right? So I will be praying for you all month that you are able to do that in whatever ways God makes available to you and that both of us can just take advantage of this season that is a little different than every other to be with our people 
to be with our God and to celebrate this time that is such a tangible reminder of his love for us. Okay, that was definitely the longest outro I've ever done. You will not be hearing from me next week, so have a very Merry Christmas, and I will see you in 2020. Thank you.